Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of DFT's Dungeon. My name, as it usually is, is Daniel Terry. I've got kind of a throwback episode, and I know I've only done four episodes so far, but this one's going to be a throwback because I wanted it to be a throwback. See, I used to do discography discussion with a guy named Jeff Kane, who you probably already know. And about three or four years ago, we gushed very heavily about a band called The Contortionist. And I decided I just wanted to do that again because it had been too long. So on this episode, we're going to talk about language by The Contortionist. And I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. We are not going to do a, you know, song by song, bar by bar analysis. What we're going to do here is be two friends having a conversation about things in our lives that were hurtful to us and problems that we had and how we overcame those problems with the help of this album. So I hope you guys really, really enjoy this. Uh, This is also the very first episode that I've ever just taken a laptop and gone over to a buddy's house and recorded, and uh, I kind of had no idea what I was doing, so I will apologize for that in advance. Without any further ado, or more of me rambling, let's get into it. Hey, number one, I just want to thank you for listening through the intro. I know sometimes that can be a little bit long-winded, but I'm trying to keep those intros tight around 30 seconds. I think I have a treat for some of you guys. For those that know, obviously you already know that I'm talking about language by the contortionist. And again, the people that know, know how much I have talked about language by the contortionist in the past. But uh, I didn't do it alone, and so it felt disingenuous to do it alone this time so i brought with me my dear friend jeff kane how are you doing tonight hey i'm doing pretty good how about yourself pretty good i don't know why i said tonight because it, we're literally doing this in the middle of the day yeah and, it's 11 30 uh, but hey <laughs> it's all right we're so used to saying night it's been you know that's how we've always done it in the past so it, it is kind of a curveball and that kind of brings out some you know honesty i guess i don't know but yeah it, it's it's fun I always thought it was the alcohol that brought out the honesty. No, that brought out the mushiness. Just hopefully not the mush mouth. But yeah, no, I, I tend to um, wax a little poetic about my emotions a little more when I'm drunk. And I think that's I think that's a lot of dudes. We use that as a crutch to make it for a way for us to really talk about how we feel. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely what I did. I remember being like really nervous when we first started doing the podcast. And I was always afraid that I was going to either not give as much information as I wanted to give or that I would just start saying things because I thought they were what people wanted to hear. And whenever we would drink for a little bit, it, it would kind of, it kind of pulled those walls down. But yeah. It was lower, like, lower the inhibitions. Yeah. It, it was like, uh, it was like Dumbo's feather, right? To a certain degree. Yeah. Because five years in, I'm like, no, I can actually just do this thing without the need of this but you know I don't I don't necessarily need the magic feather to do what I need to do. Yeah, I that's that's part of it. I I like to think that over the last 5 plus years we've grown as human beings too. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin than I have been in I don't know maybe my entire life. So I it took a long time for me to find it. You know, some people find it right away. Uh, I was not one of them. Uh so yeah, I I definitely use things like alcohol you know to make it where i'd like you said break down those walls so i could talk about the things that i really needed to uh but this album uh you know whenever we first time we kind of glossed over it whenever we did the entire 
discography for Contortionist, you know, I was really concerned because I'm really sensitive about this album. I mean, it 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 helped me, you know, and I know it helped you too. You know, when we were we were pretty, you know, pretty low times, man. You know, just you know, didn't know how things were going to work, uh, didn't know what was going to happen, and this was uh, one of the very few times, um, you know, I, I, I you know left my soul bare uh, whenever I listen to this this album. And it's 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 probably it's definitely the most important album to me emotionally, uh, probably more than anything else in the last twenty years that, that I've listened to. So that's kind of a high bar to set, and I I have to agree with you because I mean we've obviously talked for hours about this album, yeah, where, where nobody could hear us, and uh, I mean I think we both sort of have our stories, and I thought this would be like a really good time to talk about it, considering where we're both at. You know, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as perfect or having anything really totally hammered down and figured out <laughs> about life, but. We definitely have come a long way. I think. I think. I think from where when when we first met, you know. Yeah, I, and I can say that uh, with comfort, you know, saying that personally, but also professionally. Uh, I mean, we're both, you know, for the first time in our lives, maybe the most comfortable. I think I'm the most comfortable I've been where I'm at professionally. I feel good about where I'm at. I feel like I'm wanted. I, I feel like I do a good job, and I feel like it's appreciated. And, you know, that's that's a hard thing to find, you know, in a professional atmosphere. And uh, as odd as it sounds, and, and maybe some people will relate to it, you know, that takes so much weight off your shoulders on a personal aspect. It allows you to feel, you know, I feel better about myself because I, you know, I do things that are impactful now, you know, on a professional level. And I... And I'm appreciated for doing those things. And when you get that feedback professionally, I, I think it can't help but feed into your personal life. So if you feel like crap and it professionally, well, you're going to tend to, whether you want to or not, you tend to bring at least a portion of that home with you. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And that'll that'll sort of seg into my story here a little bit about this record. But I want to get yours first. Uh, sort of, you know, if for anybody that's listening and, and has an issue with us talking about personal things and, and stories associated with records uh, that's kind of what we do here is is uh we, we're all about the idea of music is a memory you know like music is something that is more than just an enjoyable experience when you're driving home from work you know because you had a work day things happened in your life there's things that happened to you that you remember while you were hearing a specific record or what that record may have meant to you or how it may have influenced how you felt about something or reconfirmed how you felt about something so that's that's really been the focus of the podcast so far and uh so yeah i just want to get into it i for, for all the the normal information if you hadn't gathered yet we are talking about the album language by the band the contortionist uh that they released in 2014 this was their third full-length album uh they had had an album called exoplanet as their uh, as their sort of debut they'd had some eps out before that and then their next record intrinsic which is a record that we're gonna probably come back and you know, we'll circle back and talk about later because that one is also incredible in a completely different way than what this record is but man language is just a record that i honestly don't know if i would still be here without 
So I'm going to leave the cliffhanger on that one, and I'm going to let Jeff tell his story of how he came to interact with the contortionist and their albums. You know, the interesting thing is, um, and I don't think Dan even knows it because I played it off because I was a dumb macho dude at the time. Dan's actually who introduced me, the, the contortionist. He doesn't even know that he did. No, I guess not. No. <laughs> uh, it was up at the game store. We were, I actually had, you know, I've had prior knowledge of exoplanet and, tri- and, and intrinsic, and, but they weren't part of my regular rotation. Um, but I, I have to say, uh, with Michael Lassard coming on, that really made all the difference in the world for me. And because uh, I've always liked him musically, but there's just something about Michael's vocals that just, you know, it was just like hook, line, and sinker for me, man. It just kind of pulled me in. But he played it for me at, at the game store that we used to both work at uh, years and years ago, uh, whenever it first came out. And uh, I was more into the uh, mellow death. I was, I'm, as most people know, I'm big on um, Swedish melodic death metal. That's always been kind of my, my go to. So this wasn't really completely on my radar, uh, just something that I was aware of. But he played it for me, and I'm like, holy shit, this is... I don't know, it, it's, it spoke to me on a... Well, uh, the spoiler, on a spiritual level. <laughs> it really and truly did. Um, it found me um, at a time in my life where I was not healthy. Um, a lot like how Dan felt, you know, this was, uh, I can't express how much that this album took me out of the, uh, out of the gutter. I mean, it allowed me to just feel and just allow myself to just literally be, you know, the ebb and flow as they say over and over again on this album. But that's a hundred percent true because I just allowed myself to go and just wherever my feelings went, I just went with, I didn't try to suppress myself. And uh, it, it, it helped me, you know, heck, I get emotional talking about it now because it really allowed me to feel and it allowed me to feel good and allowed me to just let things go. I, I can't explain how important that is in life to just be able to just take a deep breath and just let things go. And as odd as it sounds, you know, some people have unique triggers and for Dan and I, music is a huge trigger. And this album just allowed me to take that deep breath and feel better. Because uh, I was just able to let those those feelings that were just eating me up inside, I was just able to let them be when I had this on. I can't tell you how many times I played this on repeat back in the early you know, 2014 through probably 2018 when, when we really started doing the podcast. How many times I just had this album on repeat and just would listen to it like whenever I was having a bad day and I needed help. This did more for me than I think anything else did uh, as far as that was not a, a direct human you know, interaction or intervention. This album did more for me emotionally than anything else and more than I ever thought it would. It just um, allows you to just let go and just, you know, literally separate, you know, it's almost like you're going into uh, the astral plane. That's probably the best way for me to put it. Like if you ever, or if you're an X-Men fan and you're literally, you're just literally uh, pulling yourself from your body and going into another plane of existence where the things of, of, of you know, earthly you know, desires and pains do not affect you. And you're able to come 
rise above it. And I, I think that's probably... <laughs> I'm probably going pretty deep on that, but I can't... That's just how much this album means to me, really and truly. Yeah, the word meditation is is sort of the sort of the word of the episode and keep in mind guys i'm i'm really not into the whole like spiritual meditation thing maybe i should be like maybe i'd be (laughs) maybe i'd be even even a little bit more chill if that were the case but i'm i'm a very high strong individual and i worry about a lot and i you know especially when i have a lot of things going on in my life and that was sort of that was sort of my introduction because I'm trying to think of the year. And so if I introduced you to the contortionist through language, that would have had to have been what later first quarter, 2015, um, maybe even, bef- maybe even a little bit before that, uh, because I'm not going to lie. The first time I heard language, I didn't really even like care for it that much. And, uh, it's so funny thinking of that now, but like back in 2014 when the album actually dropped, I remember listening to it, and I was such a huge fan of the last two, you know, uh, Exoplanet and Intrinsic, that I was like, I don't know, man. Like th- this one's all soft, and it's just another heavy band that went soft, you know, <laughs> and, and all of that. Even though I mean, there there's absolutely viscerally heavy moments on <laughs> language, but. You know, at the time, I just remember sort of just skipping through it. You know, something that I used to do is I just sort of skip through an album and just like try to, try to find the heavy parts that I just happened to land on. And so my first run through of language was just like me looking for screamy parts. And, you know, I found a couple, but for the most part, it was like, I don't know how I feel about this new vocalist. And he's he's just singing all the time. He has a very nice singing voice, but I don't listen to to this music for sing, for its beautiful singing. And um I just had this really weird complex about heavy music at the time. Um and so, yeah, I didn't really care for it that much. And during that time, let's see. So this is this experience or this story only works if I give a little bit of context from where I was coming from. Back in 2000, so between 2005 and 2007, I was in a Christian hardcore band called End of Destiny. And guys that have been in bands, I think, can identify with this to a certain degree, where when you're in a band, your identity is, I'm this person from this person, from this band. So, like, you're you're no longer just Dan, you're Dan from End of Destiny, right? That the, your, your whole persona sort of radiates around that identity. And I had a, I had the experience of you know ups and downs with the band, but once the band is gone, once once everybody has gone their separate ways, and basically just said yeah we're good, you know I I remember it was like I'm a guy that's married and I have to provide for my family, and uh, this was around the time when I was actually like working at the game store. I think game store was like what 2010 ish sometime around the 2010 to 2012 i want to say uh it could be wrong yeah i it's um, all i've we're old enough now that it all just kind of melds together yeah i guess it doesn't matter really what the exact year was but i guess what i'm getting at is that i got a job so i worked at a video game store for a couple of years and that was a cool job it didn't pay much but it was an experience i would never trade for anything else the game store was absolutely just like you know, sort of my relaxation point. And it actually did help me deal with sort of the idea of like, I'm just going to be this dude. And now this game store or whatever is going to be my identity. And I'm, I'm just going to sort of own up to that. 
But then I got a better job, which was good for, you know, sort of providing for my family. And I had a kid. And But by 2014, the job that I was working, I was a cable installer. During a time where cable was switching over from being an analog signal to an all-digital signal, pretty much everywhere. And so they were short on guys for a long, long time. And I remember working a period of time where it was like, I think 31 or 32 hours, or sorry, 31 or 32 days in a row oh, with no days off, you know, 15-hour days. And I remember during that period, it was a period of about maybe three or four months straight of sort of working that level of ridiculous schedule that I had completely lost myself in that job. That whole identity, you know, you're not Dan from End of Destiny anymore. You're not Dan from the game store anymore. You're not, you know, you, you don't have a title. You're just a guy that shows up and fixes people's TV. And I just didn't feel like I had any type of, like, real purpose. And I was still, like, in, really, really into music at the time. But it's sort of, it was sort of like, I always felt like there was no reason for, like, there was no practical application for me being into music other than just pure enjoyment. But after a while of, of sort of living that way, I just completely shut down. I mean, I basically just sort of went dark mentally and emotionally. It's like, I have to work because I have to pay my mortgage and I have to provide for my wife and kid and I have to pay my student loans back and I have to do all this. So like, I literally have no actual freedom of choice or any direct control over my life at all. And I remember calling up and we told, we told part of this story uh, in the, in the discography discussion episode, but I remember getting to a particular point where I was at this lady's house and uh, she was mad because she had a whole bunch of recordings from like 10 years ago on her DVR. Oh, they all went bye-bye. They all went bye-bye. You're right. Like, I mean, just completely gone. And I remember she was like really upset. She was like crying. And like, I was just like a, like a fucking husk, you know, of, of a human being anyway. So like, I'm trying to seem sympathetic, you know, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm like, look, lady, can I just swap your DVR off uh, so I can leave? <laughs> you know, um, if your cable guy ever looks dead behind the eyes, it's because he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you're doing that many hours, that many days in a row, I can understand why. Good Lord, that that will that's enough to that'll just wear anybody down in any profession at any time. Yeah, it really wasn't great. <laughs> I guess is the only way I can put it. But I remember this lady was like crying and she's like, she's like, but I want my recordings back. And I'm like, lady, your recordings are gone. They were gone as soon as you started having problems. Once a, once a hard drive spins out like that, I mean, there, there's really not anything that you can do. And she's like, can't they do like data recovery? I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess like government level data recovery is a thing. And it just sort of like escalated to the point of me being like, Excuse me for a minute. I remember walking out, getting on my phone, and I told told my boss like, "Hey man, I need to go home right now, or I need to get out of here." I was like, "I was like, I really need help. I'm I'm worried that I may actually hurt myself or hurt another person." And he was like, "Oh my god, like what's going on?" I was like, "I just I don't have time to explain, man. This is just like this is something I got to do." And I ended up checking myself in. Yeah, what does this have to do with language, Dan? I'm getting there, but. I remember sort of, I, I was in the hospital for a couple of days. Uh, I never actually tried to commit suicide, but I think that the central theme, and I think the thing that set me off 
uh, with this with this particular customer at work that one day was that she was like she was like I she, she's like I I want to have control over those over those recordings those those recordings were mine I kept them they're mine and you, you know you, now you're gonna take them away from me. And I remember like thinking like God like that's not really what's going on here, lady. Like it's just a mechanical failure. This is not something anybody's doing to you, right? Um, but in my mind, I, when I'm driving when I'm driving back, you know, to drop my my work van off, I was like, God, like it sure would be nice to have more control over things and, and not just have to go where people tell you to go, do what people tell you to do, and pay the people that you have to pay in order to keep living. And so I felt like this existence was just completely futile. Like there was no reason, there was really no reason or actual spark of motivation. Yeah, you experienced the quintessential meeting of the rat race. Yeah, and I didn't like it. But I got out of the hospital uh, after a couple of days because newsflash, in a situation like that, there's not really a whole lot that they can do unless you have directly tried to kill yourself or something along those lines. And uh, I could tell a whole other story about what that experience was like, but I'm going to save you guys from this episode being a hundred stories. But I remember sort of getting home. I had sort of a note from a, uh, from a psychiatrist saying like, you need to give this guy like some time off to relax or whatever. So I remember sort of being at home and not really knowing what to do with myself because I wasn't going to be off work long enough to actually like to sit there and play Chrono Trigger or play, you know, something like <laughs> right. that. And, and I just felt terrible. I mean, I literally just sort of just laid in bed for hours and hours, like not really sure what to do. But I had I had my headphones, I had my laptop and everything. So I I remember popping on the contortionist language and. Like Jeff said earlier in the episode, it's like going to another plane of existence. And I'm not talking like some sort of mind-blowing thing of, you know, just extreme extreme noise overtaking you or anything like that. This was decidedly different than what I would normally go to for comfort. Because my mind and heart were very discordant, I tended to gravitate towards more discordant music. And in this particular case, I actually needed to be able to heal. The thing that I didn't realize before actually really listening to language was that I was trying to fix my problems with my problems, right? My life is my life is chaotic. It's loud. It's discordant. It's angry. It's frustrated. And so the music that I'm listening to day in and day out in order to sort of uh, get me through that that same music is actually, you know, it, it's just perpetuating the problem over and over and over again. And so what this album required me to do was, was just to go into a completely different mindset. And how I was sort of talking earlier about how that hard drive in that lady's DVR, it was just a mechanical failure. The world wasn't out to get her. The world wasn't out to destroy her. Or, or it wasn't an action that somebody was, was doing against her. I also had to realize that for myself, I was also having a mechanical failure. I was having a brain failure, you right. know? Um, and it was situational, 
you know, uh, some people and you know, there, 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 there's a lot of people that struggle with those type of mental health issues that they don't just like, it's not situational. It's not an error. It's not a Oh, just don't recreate this error and you'll be fine. They deal with that constantly. And so with language, some of the songs to sort of get into the, get into the actual album <laughs> discussion, that's going to be the biggest criticism on this podcast, man. It's just people being like, what are you? I mean, yeah, yeah, they we went on for a half hour about mental health and yeah, that's that's our preface to to why this album is important. I mean, that is, I think that's a whole that's that's a I think it's a great idea being able to just go in and and explain things uh, on why it is before you really get into you know what it is because more than anything else, people need to understand you know music is about personal interpretation. I mean, sure, you know. Those artists who created that music, they did though, did that for themselves. You know, they did that, you know, because either they, you know, it was personal healing or money or whatever it is, but they did it for themselves for whatever reason. So that's, you know, that's what they take from it. You know, as a listener, I mean, you are more than welcome to view it however you choose. I mean, that's why, you know, I we could be dude bro and give people shit about stuff like Nickelback but you know there's people out there that Nickelback is to them what the contortionist is to us with language you know we're it's not our place to judge it I mean we just don't have to agree with them I mean that's all that all that it is you know let them go about their business you know let them go about their existence and I think it's it's super cool I mean the the biggest thing on this album uh, that I've I found after we if we're going to start going into it a little bit is I always I never really paid attention to the lyrics. I mean, if you listen to the discography discussion, I am notorious for that. Uh, this is one of the few albums that I actually do listen and pay attention to lyrics on, mainly because I like Michael Lassard's voice. I want to sing along with him while I'm in my car. Granted, I'll never sound like he does, but hey, that's that's a different story. The one thing I never really paid attention to was he actually says Jai Guru Deva Om on integration. And you know, I'm a big Beatles fan. That's also that line is also used in Across the Universe. Uh, you know, essentially that's essentially just saying, you know, you know, hail to the the guru of of, of God, you know. So it's essentially just you know I open myself to a low my mind into a, a uh, I low my mind so I allow myself into a higher consciousness is the whole premise behind a, a lot of that uh, as far as the that you know those Eastern beliefs uh, and, and where that that saying comes from from gurus for the last thousand years because I mean it's it's not like the Beatles were the first ones to ever say that you know they they weren't they were the first ones to say that probably in Western society but that really. Um, it opened my eyes a lot, on, and it, I think it actually explained a lot on on why the music sounds the way it does, and why the lyrics are placed the way they are. Uh, is essentially that the whole idea is to to achieve that 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 mindfulness, uh, you know, of of who you are beyond your physical being, and that is uh, you know, there's a lot of talks about you know, where they talk about how you know you. You know, decompose and recreate i mean that's that's your mistakes that's how i take it you know that every nobody's perfect and you know use those mistakes to get yourself better you know mentally and emotionally and, and to strive and find that that next level for yourself 
It, this is um, it's very simplistic with its lyrics. I mean, he will elongate you know words over multiple bars, and that's fine because it he's really just a. It's more about the feeling, but it's also adding into you know. There's some lyrics on here that I think are designed to be keyed on more so than others. I would like people to to take a listen to this album and look into the lyrics and tell us what they think because you know like i said it's everybody's interpretation is a little different and uh the lyrics for me were always well they are out there <laughs> I, mean, I don't i don't care who you are they're out there but once i realized uh, that was part of it it allowed me to at least for me to connect the dots a little bit uh made the lyrics make a little bit more sense so i don't know how you feel about that dan but that's that was that was a huge key for me uh, that I did not catch for several years, but once I did, it explained a lot on why I was feeling the way I did um, without being able to explain it uh, to myself previously. Yeah, and it's weird because in a total shift in character, I never really paid much attention to the lyrics on this record. No, Are you shitting me? No, I'm dead serious, dude. This is so weird because that... A word that never happens. I never pay attention to them. And you always give me shit about not paying attention to them. And now we're just going the vice versa. That's wild. Well, I'm not out to like make anybody think that I'm some kind of super smart dude. Like, yeah, I wear glasses and I post black and white pictures of myself on Facebook and stuff, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, the fact that I even use Facebook at all like would tell you that this is just an old dude that's clearly having a midlife crisis. But the, the reality is, is that this record was always a vibe for me. And it was a much different vibe than what I was normally used to. Because one of the one of the things that I picked up on immediately was like, I sort of had this idea that like, uh, or a vision, I don't say a vision, like I, did, I didn't like smoke a bunch of pot and then like lay back and, and like, you know, drop some acid and then make a, you know, have a vision <laughs> or whatever. But it was more like, when you're laying in your bed, you know, in the dark with your eyes closed listening to this record, which is how I recommend listening to it, uh, I always felt like I'm like, there's explorers on an alien planet. And what is, what is the alien planet? It's me. It's my consciousness. You know, I'm lost. The real me, the, the motivated me that existed. This is such a weird podcast for you guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but like the the real me, the guy that starts bands and starts podcasts and starts magazines and and stuff like that was was completely like hidden somewhere in all of this bullshit that I had sort of going on in my life. So whenever you listen to that first track, the source, you know, it's sort of like the beginning of an exploratory adventure. And you know, eventually they're looking for the old me in there, right? And they find him somewhere in the middle of language one and language two. Right where you were listening to at this point one of the most atmospheric, beautiful, emotional feeling albums, and then just suddenly out of nowhere, it suddenly it's like to tink to tink, you know, like you found you found that little bit of gold that you're mining for right there, and then you know he comes in, you know, and suddenly you're listening to the Contortionist again. It's like we are primordial sucks. you know. And it's like it's so intense, but it's like that's the spark. Right there, that's that's the the life in the music, and I think that's sort of how I was able to sort of work through a lot of the issues that I had listening to this because I was sort of looking at it from that angle of like I need to find the part of myself that was good 
and the part of myself that could deal and the part of myself that actually wanted to make real change in the world around me. And um, that's where, you know, I started sort of like mentally compartmentalizing that. And I know this is like really sort of, I don't think what we're saying is next level as much as it's like I'm trying to explain something that I can't really explain, <laughs> you know, uh, so I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. Because it sounds like, oh, this guy's like so obsessed with himself. He thinks that an album is about people exploring to find the real him or whatever. But it was a personal journey, and a personal journey can sometimes be embarrassing if it looks, people are looking at it from the outside. Right. Um, but this record, as you go all the way from, you know, language one, language two, um, you get, you sort of run into those like little gold mine moments where you find sort of the, the essence of the band. You know, the band that you've been listening to this whole time, you know, you have Exoplanet where they're just loud and, and in your face and there's like rare moments of beauty mixed with the harshness. And then the next record is just, I mean, a record about flying through outer space. Uh, and then, right. you know, and this record language is more like, okay, we're on an alien planet and we're trying to find things that are familiar. Yeah. And that That's the, that's the feeling that I get from language. That's the vibe I get from language. And it was from listening to this record on repeat over and over and over again that I started to sort of equate things that I was hearing and feeling with my own life. Um, whenever I'm depressed, you know that song, uh, Primordial Sound? The way it just starts off just very, very, very loose, you know, and, and eventually turns into something stronger and more beautiful. But like the empty and sort of lonely feeling that that song evokes captures the way I feel when I'm depressed 100% like a like a carbon copy Whenever the vibes that you are getting from a record overlap with how you're actually feeling, it creates a bond with that music, with that piece of audio that is stronger than I think people would think when thinking about, oh, I'm just listening to a heavy band right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that one because that the last lyric and one of the last lyrics in that is, and it's super simple, but I, I think it's really profound for me, and that's all within is all without, and that is, I mean. Everything within you, if you don't grow it, is without. I mean, you don't reach out to, to find that next level. It, it means nothing. It, you know, your, your physical, it's weird for me. I, I actually, um, this album, whenever I first listened to it, I actually looked at it as literally like uh, the process of growth from birth to, to death is what it was for me. And so a lot of that dissonance, like uh, it, in language two, I kind of just looked at that as like you're just losing your way as like a teenager and then finally rediscovering yourself. That was a big, big thing for me. You know, whenever you, you know, talking about getting back to the center sun, I mean, you're just literally getting back to your true self and, and learning about you. Uh, you know, that was a really big part of this album for me before I really started paying attention uh, to the lyrics. So, I mean, Dan's was about, you know, literal you know you know you know extra planetary you know discovery you know in defining himself and and mine was literally just the 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 growth of you know going from an embryonic stage to literally you know being born to go through life uh 
have your struggles, your ups and downs, you know, literally your ebbs and flows, because that's what life is full of. You know, that that was my initial interpretation of, of, of this album. And uh, it made me look at this as, you know, this is a way for me to grow. And uh, I, as weird as it sounds, I mean, this album is probably, uh, and I've said it already, it's so important to me as far as personal growth. Um, making me calm down, take a deep breath, look at myself and tell myself it's okay you know you're gonna have that degradation and then you're going to regrow and that's okay you know you have you know there that's literally the you know as elton john says the circle of life (laughs) but it's the truth so on brand with jeff just coming in with a random elton john reference (laughs) you know it's funny too that we interpreted the records or we both interpreted the record two very different ways and i think that that is sort of the wonderful ambiguity of music exactly that it's like clay it sort of it sort of just shapes and molds itself to whatever you need it to be right and so you know that record i think what it did what it did for me was this whole concept of ebb and flow you know um you're drifting with the ebb and the flow see i'm very very uptight I'm, I'm wound very tightly. And so I'm always sort of not accepting of changes that happen around me. Like I can be totally chill if everything is the way I want it to be. I grew up religious. So, you know, I was taught very early on that I was, you know, that, that everybody was supposed to act and behave a certain way. Right. And so after years and years of sort of being conditioned to think that way, it added to my high strongness, you know, because I was always concerned. I was always sort of worried about, you know, what other people were doing as well as what I was doing. And um, that sort of trickled into like life situations. You know, I want to be doing a podcast or I want to be doing a magazine or I want to be in a band. This is the situation that I want. And yet, you know, everyone else is like, well, we want you to go to college and we want you to take out all these loans and we want you to buy a house and we want you to incur this debt because that is what, that's sort of what the world wants. That's what, that's what companies that sort of regiment our lives, they want. They want us to go into debt. They want us to continually give them money so that they can be in their secure chill spot, right? Yeah. Well, it also allows uh, them to control Right, and when we eventually start talking about like you know more politically charged bands on the podcast, we'll we'll definitely rip that scab right back off and yeah. sort of talk about those. But the issue that I was dealing with is that I had no control over my life, and I was so worried about what I was doing and what everybody else was doing, and then I just became really sort of disconnected because I knew that I didn't have any control, but I was still worried about it, and so you know just sort of singing those lines drift with the ebb and flow like it sort of imprinted itself into my brain of like instead of worrying about how things aren't going your own way like why not just sort of figure out how you're going to be able to drift with those with those changes and and how you're going to be able to handle the the um the one-two punch here and then the the happier moment here and then and somehow you know be able to be adaptable to whatever situation presents itself to you and uh, that is something that honestly i lived a good portion of my life without having that 
like without having that sort of adaptability right i think that i think that we need to survive like it's a it's a survival instinct and i was definitely not surviving at that time yeah it's it's hard to um understand that there's certain things uh even in your own life you, you just you don't have control over and there's no point in freaking out about it because what does that solve absolutely nothing right and just letting that go and rising above it because it's just an you know I don't want to sound hippish, but that's just, a, it's an earthly concern. I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, for most people it's, you know, it's money, you know, that's the root of, I think most people's stress. And, you know, I think it's, it's hard to be able to understand and accept the fact that there's just certain things in life, you know, we're not, you know, most of us are never going to be billionaires. So it's something that's going to be, that struggle is always going to be part of who we are and it's okay. And just don't let it eat you up and don't let it get to you. And that's, that's a hard thing sometimes. Yeah. And I think the problem lies in a lot of the goals too. It's like, if you want you know, one of my big things too was like doing, doing the podcast off a few years later was sort of people used to always be like, well, if you want to be successful, you need to do this. You need to be that. And I, I'm experiencing this with weight loss as well. Of I did a podcast because I wanted to talk about music with my friends, right? Right. That that really, I mean, overall was always the goal. I'm talking with my friends about music. This is a thing that I want to do because we share a appreciation and a love for music. And so it's really cool to be able to interact with my friends that way. Right. Right. Uh, and with weight loss, it was sort of the same thing. I started weight loss because I wanted to be healthier and I wanted to feel better about myself. But being slimmer or whatever is just a sort of just a benefit of that. It's a, a side by, effect. It's just a byproduct. You know, if you if your goal is to be a billionaire, you know that that's going to be a pretty hard goal to meet because it's going to be a very long time. If you meet, if you meet that goal, it'll be a very very long time. But really, the people that become billionaires and millionaires are the kind of people that wanted to make an innovative change in the world. And they found a way to monetize that. But really, it was just the spark of them wanting to actually either pursue a creative endeavor or pursue you know, some sort of practical solution to a problem that people had and find a way to sell that problem. I, feel, I don't necessarily know if the goal was always to be a billionaire or to be a millionaire because a lot of these self-made guys are like, I don't know, man. I realized that I could just take a piece of plastic and, and, and put, it in the, put it in the freezer and you could melt it and create ice cubes that way, right? You know what I mean? Like that's how it starts when you're inventing when you're inventing the ice cube tray. You're not like, I'm gonna, I, I'm doing this specifically so that I can become a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just meant it uh, when I was talking about if if somebody was a billionaire is just literally the fact that you need that money is not looming over you, uh, and that effect that it that ha- can have on someone's life. You know, when you are to the point that you are wealthy to to where your children's children don't have to worry about life, I mean, that just, that's, that's a different perspective. I mean, that's one that I I will never know, but that's what I was talking about with people who don't have it looming over them. I mean, you know, normal, you know, run-of-the-mill individuals, you know, that's something that they will never be able to outrun in their life, you know. Hopefully, by the time they're in their 60s or 70s, maybe they can retire uh, if you're lucky. But even then, you're still on a budget. You're still looking at life through the lens of a dollar bill, and that—that's what I was—that's what I was talking about. That—that that 
that aspect looms, I think, looms large on people's life, whether they realize it or not. And being able to understand and just be able to release yourself from that aspect and just understand that, that that's just one of life's challenges. See, it's money is in an odd way almost like a sustenance, sustenance, just like, you know, food or, you know, water or air. In the world today, most people can't live without having to have that be an involuntary response of having that the, that money aspect and that's all that i was trying to say it's just yeah like, no you're good man i'm sorry i'm i'm, go, I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting deep on it now and i just no need to no you don't have to give a big detailed defense of 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 one thing that you said no you're fine i i actually was only responding that way because i was sort of thinking about how goals you know because i i have done creative endeavors before in the past where the goal was to be successful and uh guess what folks it wasn't <laughs> you know, but that's that's kind of kind of one of those being able to adapt to the changes because once I noticed, and this is just for me personally, once I noticed that like I could react to situations in a more positive and productive manner, then I was able to be more innovative. You know what I mean? And and I was able to to better express the creative sort of outlet that that I that I needed to have for my own mental well being. And again, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you really should just talk about the album. But the album is so intertwined in my mind, like with what we're talking about, that, you know, and yeah, it is our own personal interpretations of it. But I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, you know, you can sit there and you can look at all the metadata and you can say, yeah, the contortionists in 2014, they were a quote, they were a, a, a proggy deathcore type of band, right? Uh, and they put out this album called Language, which incorporated more progressive elements into it. And, uh, you know, the songs that they put out, you know, was, a, was an interesting mix of, of mostly, you know, clean sung vocals with atmospheric elements with some uh, harsh extreme metal vocals thrown in uh, for a variety. But I just don't feel like that description really tells us but here's the, the tr- whole picture about that record. You're right. And so you're being analytical on it and been the... The, the problem that people have with that, once you add in the caveat, there was purposely ambiguous lyrics. That is what throws the monkey wrench in, and then that's what allows us to have the discussion that we had. That is why I think this one is so important. But I understand what you're saying. You know, there's going to be the ones that want us to to literally dissect you know, every, you know, every bar of every song, and that's not how it's, you know... I don't. I don't believe this is how this music was designed to be consumed. So, and I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> like straight up. I mean, if you if you want to start talking about musical terminology and stuff with me, I'm always like, I don't know, man. It like goes like the crunch, crunch, squeeze, squeeze. You know, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, oh, this riff, this riff is so heavy. Yeah, and he, he chugs real. It chugs real hard right there. And yeah, yeah I know. I know what you're saying. No, I, I totally get it. But I think the was something like con, the contortionist, and there's other, you know, a, plenty of other music out there. The, the great thing about it is it allows to have this conversation. That this that's what music is for. I mean, it, it's a form of communication, and then it's it's gonna mean something different for for everybody. And I, I think that's what's so cool about it. Um, it's it's something for everybody it, it's you know if you know it flows like water you know it, it will it will move when it needs to move it will hit you when it needs to hit you i mean it, it's that's what's so cool about it but i'm starting to sound like bruce lee now anyway yeah no you're good man 
Uh, I, I actually have no idea how long we've been talking because I'm using GarageBand and it's only showing me bars and beats oh, so, okay. uh, and, and the tempo or whatever. So uh, this is real free and loose. But the things that I want to say about this record, too, though, is if you're a fan of the earlier contortionist stuff, you're going to find a lot to love with this record. But I would analyze more, uh, you know, or I would focus more on how this record makes you feel more so than necessarily what the technical aptitude of it is because trust me it's really high yeah it's off the <laughs> you charts. know like the, the, these guys know how to play they know how to create an emotion they know how to create a mood and uh there's one song that i do want to focus in on uh or more specifically there's a clip at the end of the song that i want to focus in on that sort of brings full circle what we're talking about it's the parable yeah and the parable is the final song on the album unless you bought the rediscovered edition so, like, my CD copy of Language it just ends with the parable. But then the vinyl release that I've got a few years later had the rediscovered edition, which were, like, I don't want to necessarily say acoustic versions of, of Language 1 and 2 and Primordial Sound, but... Just stripped down. They were stripped down, and they were just different. They were reinterpreted, essentially. Right. And um, and they actually give off a different vibe. Like, I get different vibes from those songs, but... Oh, I agree. But, uh, you know, at the end of the parable... This is where it gets like the most like spiritual and 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 you know talking talking about mother son, mother son is proud to have watched you you are the perceiver the perceived the parable the never ending end you are the infinite into it you are the finite the fire you are you are you are um, first of all that's a huge confidence boost if you're like about to do something like go over to your friend's house and try to figure out how to do a podcast <laughs> uh, remotely even though you've literally never done that before. Um, you know that's that it's a good booster. It's 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 a hype song for me in in a lot of, in a lot of ways because what it reinforces to me is that no, dude, you can do this stuff. The fact that you had the idea to do it is a good enough reason to do it and to try to do it your best. And I don't leave things up to luck anymore because of this album. Because everybody at work has this phrase that they use. They call it Dan luck. You know, Dan luck is like. Um, you know, you're driving to a really important job interview and your car breaks down on the way to the interview and then you don't get the job and then you don't have money to fix the car. You know what I mean? So like right. this sort of endless cycle, the never ending end, you know, literally. Right. Uh, that's that's how my luck goes. My life post listening to language and sort of trying to learn the lessons that that record had for me personally, I don't leave things up to luck anymore. And the reason I don't leave them up to luck is because there's this quote at the end of it where, and I'll play it at the end of the episode here, uh, but he just says, in other words, the so-called involuntary circulation of your blood is one continuous process with the star shining. If you find out that it's you who circulates your blood, you'll at the same moment find out that you are shining the sun. Uh, because your physical organism is one continuous process with everything else that's going on. Just as the waves are continuous with the ocean, your body is continuous with the total energy system of the cosmos. And it's all you. Only you've been playing the game, that you're only this bit of it. And uh, again, you know, I, I realize that 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 sounds very might sound like polarizing to people or like these guys are just a bunch of whack jobs that just, <laughs> that just sit there and meditate all the time and i assure you that's not the case no absolutely not you know but it is sort of it, it did get me thinking about all of the things I, I used to live my life in a way that was like things just happened to me you know and i sort of just would cry 
you know, about things that, that had happened to me or, or be upset. You know, usually instead of crying, I would just act really, really angry, you know, about everything to, to sort of make up the difference there and create this tough guy armor or whatever. But what this song and that quote did for me specifically was put the idea in my mind that like, why don't you control the things that you have control over? Because it turns out that even though I felt before going into that experience that I had no control over my life, I changed jobs. I changed where I was at financially. I changed all of those things because I decided to change them instead of just sort of waiting for um, waiting for good fortune to come. Because it sure as hell didn't just come on its own at any point before that. So I'm not sure why I felt that that things were just going to happen to me. And, you know, I, I've been I've been lucky that I have come to know people that have been very kind to me and people that have helped me through those difficult sort of situations. But it was high time that that well into adulthood to to start actually taking accountability and ownership over the things that I needed to change. And I'm still learning that lesson. I learned it in I learned it in very small steps back then. That got me that got me to the point where I was like, no, life can be worth living for me as long as I'm willing to make it sustainable for me to continue living in that regard. Right. And so whenever I say that this record literally saved me, it really did. And I also want to add a little bit of a, a disclaimer to what I just said too. My depression and my, my mental health issues were heavily triggered by the situation that I was in. I am not trying to say that people that have continuing chronic mental health issues should just fucking get good, bro. That is not what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm just saying that I listened to a record that helped change my perspective and my thinking. I was able to pull a more sustainable mindset and lifestyle out of that which did help me on the road to recovering from those mental health issues. Uh, but I, I do sincerely understand that everybody that has these issues has them differently. Mine was situational. I know that is not the case for everybody. No, some people are quite literally born with it. I mean, it genetics can play a big part of it. You know, that was around the same time. That was, um, yeah, my aunt had committed suicide and it made me look, made me look within made me realize that hey you know this that same blood flows through my veins you know what what is um what what do i need to do to make sure that i am i'm happy and that uh, i can bring joy to the the people that are in my life as well yeah i mean this this album allows me to you know help facilitate you know those functions because it allows me to calm down and relax and and do the things that I need to do instead of freaking out about everything. That way I'm not tweak from South Park because that's what I tend to be if I'm let if I let the situation get get control of me. So, yeah. Is there anything in particular or any particular song that stands out to you? I guess what I'm asking is sort of what Rance asked me in the At the Drive-In episode. Is there anything else about language that you want to say before we wrap up? Uh for me, language 1, intuition. That's that was the album. That's the song that I'm. I'm normally not a a song repeat guy. Uh, the people who know me, they know that I want to listen to the full album, and it's one of the few songs that I can literally put on repeat, and I have put on repeat over and over and over again for like a half an hour, and that's highly unusual for me, but it makes me feel good. You know, it 
it allows me it, it, one of the lyrics in here is balance finds its place that, that it helps me fi- it helps me find that balance it, it allows me to to feel better and let go of the things that i need to let go of and focus on the things that are really important for me i would say it's uh language one and two they're the same song i don't care that they're broken up into different tracks they're okay. they're one long song the that sort of uh mixture of the dissonance of my old mindset versus the sort of more tranquility of my newer mindset it plays on each other really really well and anytime that i start getting down and i start getting frantic you know about things uh, i will play that song uh just because it sort of reminds me of like no you this is just uh you're just having you're just having your technical malfunction right now right and this is the this is not the end of the world (laughs) you know um you're going to be able to get through this just because you literally already got through the end of the world before you can do it again. And uh, obviously the parable uh, for everything that we that we talked about. So basically the beginning and the end of the album, bro. I just <laughs> take that burger patty in the center and throw it away. No, this is this was absolutely the, the best beginning and ending of a journey for me are those two songs and that clip at the end. I'll also pop that on just to just to just to hype myself up and again i'm not necessarily as concerned with the spiritual aspect of it as much as it's just a reinforcement of the fact that no you do have control you don't have control over everything but you as an organism have control over everything that that sort of goes on in that organism and um yeah so sorry man sorry that this sorry for anybody listening that was just like wow i just went into this thinking you guys were going to talk about a record yeah i was gonna say i was getting ready to say jeff you're never allowed to be on this podcast again jeff get out (laughs) get out oh wait out of my own house oh whatever man i just did a norma jean episode that was all about my work history it was like (laughs) i was like i was just reading my resume for a half hour and then throwing norma jean songs you know in between well hey dan how about that new norma jean album Oh my goodness, we're bringing that up. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that new Norma Jean album is uh, is the cat's meow. It is really good. It's <laughs> it's very 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 good. Talk about talk about like being in control of how you want to sound and how you want to be perceived. Uh, yeah, that record is great. We will we will touch base again sometime in the future. I just, I think I just posted on my socials today that like yes, I will talk about that new Norma Jean record, but I need to live with it for a little bit. You know, I need to I need to have more of a personal connection to it other than just just slams, bro. Yeah, that was just me poking at you a little because I, I did see that and it slaps. It, it's it's a heck of a of an album and I'm not the biggest Norman Jean guy. So, yeah, we'll get you'll get to that. Oh, we will get to it. Um, Jeff, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm glad you stopped by. This I was did, fun. Yeah, this was this was super, and cathartic. Super fun. Yeah, super cathartic. Uh, Jeff and I haven't actually like hung out in person in a long time and not because we had any kind of like big drama or anything it's just it's just all the stuff that we were talking about man uh yeah as as we get older and we have more responsibilities and more things going on it gets harder and harder to just chill with the boys <laughs> you know? yeah and then you throw covid and on top of that it just really threw a total monkey wrench into everything 100 percent, my friend well jeff we'll see you guys on the next episode that he's on and uh, i will see you guys in the outro And if you've made it this far, I congratulate you and welcome you to the outro. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. I always love talking to Jeff. Jeff is so introspective. And there are even times where he really encourages me to look at things from a different perspective. So you guys are definitely going to hear more from Jeff in the future. And speaking of the future, I've got a couple of things going on that are new. Uh, number one, as of the recording of this, I was interviewed by Dewey from the Peer Pleasure podcast. I'm not sure if that's out yet as of the release of this episode, but uh, it's really cool and you should check it out when it's available. I'll have it linked on all my socials. And speaking of socials, you can find DFT's Dungeon on Facebook at facebook.com slash DFT's Dungeon. You can also find me on Twitter at DFT9000, Instagram at DFT Dungeon. You can send me an email, dftdungeon at gmail.com. And I did finally start a Patreon account. There will be a link to that in the show notes of this episode. If that's a way that you would like to support the podcast, uh, I just want to thank you in advance. But I also do not want you to feel obligated that that is something that is expected. So uh, thank you guys very, very, very much for listening. And I will see you again next week. In other words, that the so-called involuntary circulation of your blood is one continuous process with the stars shining. If you find out that it's you who circulates your blood, you will at the same moment find out that you are shining the sun. Because your physical organism is one continuous process with everything else that's going on. Just as the waves are continuous with the ocean, your body is continuous with the total energy system of the cosmos. And it's all you. Only you're playing the game, but you're only this bit of it.